tonight I'm just going to talk to you about one thing. Some of you are thinking, well, that ought to be short. Well, one thing. You know, so often in the things of God, it comes down to what's really priority, what's really important. You know, when you talk about one thing, it kind of reminds me of how a lot of the time we try to do too many things in life and um, we end up not being really good at anything. I mean, you know, you can be a jack of all trades and master of none. Now, my wife says that I'm good at everything, but she, that's just how she tries to motivate me. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I know what's going on, you know, but here's the, the truth though, is that a lot of the time we get so divided in our attention and our focus and the things that we're trying to do that we, we end up just not really being good at anything. And you know what? I, I've, I've thought about this. If, if I'm going to be good at anything, I, w- I want to be good at serving the Lord, Amen. at knowing Him, at walking with God. I, I, I mean, if, if nothing else. I want to be good at this one thing. I mean... More than I want to be good at preaching. I'm sorry to disappoint some of you. I'm not, that's not my thing. More than I want to be good at making money or whatever else. More than I want to be good at being a good husband. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I'm just saying the one thing I really want to be the best at, the best that I can be, is knowing him. Loving him, walking with him, fulfilling his purpose, his plan in my life. And so tonight, I'm just going to talk to you about one thing. Uh, If the Lord speaks to you tonight about one thing, I'm going to tell you, it can change your life. So first of all, one thing I know. I know that he changed my life. I know that he saved me, that he changed my life. I want to go to John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. It's a great story of Jesus healing a man that was blind from birth. I just want to read it. We're just going to, I'm going to read this this whole passage, but it'll go quick. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the, man's, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I want you to know something. This man's life was changed forever. I mean, he had never seen before. How amazing was this, that Jesus so changed his life. You know, the Pharisees heard about it. And they didn't like it. We're going to pick it up in verse 24 and 25. The Pharisees, so they called the man who was, who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. I don't know. Do you know there's a whole lot of things we don't know? 
Now, I know Jesus is not a sinner, but there's a whole lot of things we don't know. I hear people talking about stuff every day. They don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, both sides of an issue. They're sure they're right. They're sure they're right. Neither of them knows. They don't know. But here's the one thing we ought to know. He changed my life. This man said, one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. You need to know that Jesus has changed your life. And nobody can ever talk you out of it. Nobody can ever steal that and pull, pull you away from that. I know that Jesus saved me. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound, but now I'm free. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was overcome with worry and fear, but now I have peace. I was sad and depressed, but now I have joy. I know that Jesus has changed my life. You need to, there's the one thing, the one thing you got to know. One thing I know, the man said, I was blind, but now I see. Do you know? Do you know? Um, if you know, you sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I know, I know that he saved me. I know that he changed my life. Amen. You know, this man... They'd never seen before, and now he sees. Nobody could talk him out of that. Nobody could say it didn't happen. And you see, when you have a real testimony, when God has healed you, it doesn't matter what people's doctrine is. See, the Pharisees, they wanted to argue doctrine. It's still that way today. Religious people, they want to argue doctrine. And they want... God doesn't do that anymore. How can you say God doesn't do that anymore? He healed me. Some people want to argue about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you pull Scripture out of context and whatever you've been taught since you were four years old. You can't tell me that the Holy Spirit isn't for me because I've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't take that away from me. I want you to get this. See, if you know that he has set you free, nobody can take that away from you. It doesn't matter what their arguments, what their doctrines is. You know, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. Oh, well, that would have happened anyway. They want to argue doctrine, but I want to tell you, you can't argue with the testimony when God's power has worked in your life. I know. One thing I know. God changed my life. I'll tell you, the devil will always try to accuse you. He'll try to confuse you to steal what God has done for you. But you need to always remember one thing I know. God changed my life. Next, one thing I must have. One thing I must have. Now, 
I hope you figure this out real quick. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, the things I'm sharing with you tonight, these are the things that the Bible says one thing, all right? There's some negative ones in there somewhere, but one thing, all right? One thing I got to have is a total commitment. Now, Mark 10, 17 through 21 is a f- familiar story. It says, a man came to Jesus on the road. One came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but no one but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and he said to him one thing you lack I want to tell you this man lacked something in his life it's the one thing that we must have the one thing you lack he said go your way sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me he's talking about a total commitment This was the one thing that divided this man's loyalty, his love, his faithfulness. This was the one thing that had a hold on his heart. Listen, it's not that that the Lord didn't want him to have anything. It's that the Lord didn't want things to have him. The one thing that we must have in our life is a total commitment to God. I want to tell you, this is the biggest problem that most believers have. This is the root of it, is there's an area of their life or, thing, or, or areas that they have not really been willing to completely turn over to God. They're still trying to do it their way. The stupidest song that anybody ever sung is, I did it my way. We have a Lord And we have to come to the place where we are willing to make a total commitment to God. Listen, either this is real or it's not. And if it's real, it's it's worthy, it's deserving of our absolute all. And if it's not worthy, if it's not deserving of that, then why play church? In fact, if we're not willing to make a total commitment to God, we're just playing church. One thing. He said, one thing you lack. We can't lack that one thing. It's a total commitment. You know, this guy in the scripture here, he he did a lot of things right. I mean, at least in his own mind, man, he, he had done a whole lot right and I don't know. I do know that Jesus didn't correct him in that and he didn't rebuke him for saying it. In fact, it says he looked at him, he loved him, but he said, one thing you lack. And I think there's a lot of believers that think, but you know, I, I do pretty good. You know, I'm not as bad as that other guy. And you know, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I mean, I don't smoke and I don't chew. I don't go with girls that do. And I'm sorry, these th- things that I learned growing up. You know, I don't drink too much and, you know, I don't, I don't cuss too much and I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, you know, and, you know, I, I give at the church and all that's great. But there's one thing that you must have. It's a total commitment to God. 
I learned a long time ago, it, it doesn't matter what's taught from the pulpit. Unless you have a total commitment to God, you'll pick and choose what parts of the scripture you want to obey and what parts of the scripture that you're going to allow God to have his way in your life. It is a simple matter of truly making Jesus the Lord of your life. He says you can't serve two masters. There'll come a time when you're going to have to choose between the two. and Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. See, if you're still calling the shots... That means that there's something else that still has a hold on you. And it's not really you calling the shots, it's that. For this man, it was his money. But you know, us, us here in America, I mean, we're all pretty rich. But I'm not just talking about financially. We all have a lot. We're a blessed people. And we just have to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. And to truly let him be Lord. You know... Jesus lays this out, this total commitment in terminology that's really offensive to a lot of people. In fact, people don't talk about a lot of the teachings of Jesus. One of these days, I'm going to do a series on the unpopular teachings of Jesus. Because it's amazing, not just the world, but how much Christians only focus on a few of the teachings of Jesus. But here's one that's really unpopular, Luke 14, 26. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. My disciple. In Matthew, he puts it another way, Matthew 10, 37, he says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hey, talking about money is one thing. Now you're talking about family. You're talking about my kids. And Jesus says, if you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. Now when he says hate, we're not allowed to hate anybody, right? He's talking about a comparison with our love for him. We have to despise everything else. But this is the commitment that Jesus demands. The one thing we absolutely have to have as a Christian is a total commitment. Next, one thing I must do. Leave the past behind and reach forward to the future. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Did you know that God has taken hold of you for a purpose? Every one of you here tonight, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan. There is a will of God that you're supposed to live out, a race that you're supposed to run. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. None of us has arrived yet. We're still on the way. He says, but one thing I do, one thing I do, there's one thing that we must do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, he says, we haven't arrived yet, 
I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still moving on in in the things of God. Think about this. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. What was behind this guy? Well, let's see. He persecuted the church and had all that Pharisaism and all that in his past. But think about this. He also had so many great victories that he had seen the sick healed and the dead raised. Listen, he had seen so many miracles, so many lives changed, so many churches established already by this point. And he says, forgetting what is behind. You see, a lot of people get distracted by the hurts, the disappointments of the past, and they focus on it. And it keeps them from moving on to what God wants to do tomorrow. Did you know he's not done? A lot of people focus on the past victories. And it keeps them from moving on to what God wants to do today and tomorrow. And they say things like, oh, remember the good old days. You know... I don't know what it is, how sometimes we kind of romanticize certain times in our life. And I just got to tell you, it really wasn't all that. Some of you, some of you, some of you, you thinking, oh, yes, it was. I remember the good old days. Well, let me just give you this from Ecclesiastes 17. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. See, we just need to realize the things of yesterday, hey, good and bad happened. But here's what I know. You got to forget that and you got to focus on what is ahead. What does God want to do now? Don't miss what God wants to do now and in your future because of what happened in the past. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is before. I want to tell you this is a great word You need to get this because some of you, that past is shackling you, holding you back, and it will misguide you. You know, you can get yourself in a wreck if you're always looking in your rearview mirror and not watching what's ahead of you. And you know what? A lot of people mess up their life because they're so focused on the past, they don't even see what's ahead and what God would do in their life. It's too good to miss. I mean, what if the best is yet to come? And so, oh, and I'm getting on up there in years. That's not a problem for God. My Bible tells me that even in old age, we'll be fat and flourishing. I got half that right. I'm working on the other. No, but we can still have victories and see God do great things in our life. It doesn't matter what age we're at and what has all happened in the past. We need to be looking forward to what God wants to do. Paul says it so clearly. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, there's more. There's more. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. See, we're not supposed to sit down. We're not supposed to go put our feet up somewhere. We got to keep going. We got to finish our course. Stop looking behind. One thing I do. 
forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to the things which are before. To reach the plan and purpose of God tomorrow, you got to forget about the past. That's what he said. Forget about the things which are behind. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, hear me. Yes, we will always have recollection of those things. And yes, we should always thank God for the victories. And never forget the good things that God has done. But the point of this verse is, is that we have to move on. We can't live in the past. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Let me tell you how you cannot know it. Focusing on the past. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's saying, when it looks like there's no way, I'm going to make a way. But we just need to begin to see that God wants us to always be reaching forward, answering the call and the purpose of God in our life. Here's the thing. Yesterday is gone. You can't bring it back. Its potential may have been fulfilled or not. But you can't do anything about it now. But your tomorrow is full of potential. Unlimited potential. Because with God, all things are possible. And so we need to keep pressing on in what God has for us tomorrow. Next. One thing I need every day to sit at his feet and hear his word. It's Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. It happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? To serve alone? Sorry, y'all. I get my translations mixed up sometimes, but anyway. Therefore, tell her to help me. Do you not care? Lord, see how much pressure I'm under. See everything I'm trying to do. That I'm bearing the burden that all the weight's on me and they're just doing nothing. And I, it's, I'm, don't you care? Jesus didn't do what she wanted. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I got to tell you, I know exactly how Martha felt. Don't be amening too much over here, Mary. I know how you are. So many responsibilities, so many things to take care of. Why don't they do this? Why don't they do Why am I? And I know a lot of you are right there with me. You got responsibilities. You got the kids. You got your job. You got so many things going on. You got to pay taxes. You got to busy, 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 busy. Running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Hello, country boy. 
Jesus says one thing is needful. One thing is needed. Listen, he didn't tell Martha to shirk all of her responsibilities. We can fulfill our responsibilities and still have peace and still have joy and our burden be light. But there's one thing that's needful, to sit at his feet and to hear his word. I want to tell you something. One word from God can put you over the top. One word can heal you. He sent his word and healed them. One word whom the sun sets free is free indeed. One word can bring financial blessing into your life. I'm just telling you, one word from God can change everything. What we need is a word from God. What we need to do is to sit at his feet and hear his word. One word can show you how to have peace in that storm. One word can show you how to reach that person. But in all the busyness of life and all our responsibilities, there's one thing we really need, and it has to be our priority, or we're missing it altogether. The one thing that's absolutely necessary is that we have time to be with our Lord. Revelations chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to the lukewarm church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and commune with him, fellowship with him. Oh, he waits for us to open that door, to give him the opportunity to fellowship with What an amazing thing that the king of kings would come and dine with us. Fellowship, commune with us. Last, one thing I desire to be in the presence of God. David said it in Psalm 27, 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What a wonderful thing. David had been there. He had experienced the presence of God. He knew what that was like. Think about this. this Great King David, all of the battles he won and all of the victories and the honor of being king and so much that he had experienced of the pleasures of this life. So many privileges that he had. So many accomplishments that he says, one thing I have desired. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He's talking about the presence of God. Have you experienced that presence Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Nothing in this world compares to the presence of God. I think that the church of Jesus 
needs to keep first things first. And I just want to, I don't know why this happens to me on Wednesday night, but I just say stuff, so. We, we as a church, leadership and our worship team, I'm just telling you, we want to go there. We want to go in the presence of God. I mean, I, I, I love the fellowship that we have, and, and I love our brothers and sisters. I, I love this church, the people. But I got to tell you, when we come in here, in here it's all about him. Yeah. There's a lot of churches that are making it all about the, the smoke, the lights, the entertainment. It ain't about that. It's all about him. It's about getting in his presence. And when we sing, it's not about, you know, the music and the, I like this song. It's about him. And I want to sing about him and to him. And focus on him. I'll tell you, when we do that, that's when his presence comes. That's when he shows up. He inhabits the praises of his people. And you see it in the scripture that the glory of the Lord comes. But we want to experience that presence in our life. One thing I desire, just to be with him. You know, and when that's our one desire, you see this next verse in a whole different light. I hear this verse quoted a lot of times in very selfish ways, but it means something different when you put it in this light. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, if you're really delighting yourself in the Lord, the desire of your heart is to be in his presence, to be with him. That ought to be our one thing that we desire. Sometimes I hear people talking about heaven. And what they're saying, I've heard people say things a lot of the time that are not based on Scripture. It's just human thoughts and attitudes and traditions, and, but not really based on Scripture. I want to tell you what heaven is really all about. It's all about him. And for us, it's all about worshiping him and honoring him and glorifying him. I mean, this is what makes heaven heaven. Is him. That he's there. It's not about streets of gold and houses. (laughs) It's about him. You know what makes hell hell? The lake of fire? Listen, it's the lack of the presence of God to be separated from God for all eternity. What a horrible thing. But what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God that he's there in all of his glory that we will know even as we are known. And I just want to tell you the one thing that we ought to desire above all else is to be in his presence and to worship him, to honor him. Listen, 
And if that is our desire, we look forward to that. We'll always be looking forward to, I want one thing I've desired that I might go, one thing will I seek after, that I would go and dwell in the house of the Lord. As we come together, listen, the Bible says that we are like living stones being built into a holy temple unto the Lord. It's talking about the people of God. And I'm telling you, when we come together as the church, this gathering of the church to worship him, is it is a supernatural thing that the presence of God is here in our midst. Don't listen to the religion, the traditions, the attitudes of the day that say it doesn't matter. It does matter when we come together to worship our God. He shows up in our midst. Jesus said, where there's two or three gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I'm just telling you, if this is our desire, one thing I've desired, we gather here for this purpose, to worship him, oh, to be in his presence to glorify, to honor him. Simple message tonight. We got to get our priorities right. So often it comes down to one thing. And I just encourage you tonight. Listen, I, I, I trust that God has spoken to you about one of these things. Amen. I want you to stand with me.